Prepare our hearts and minds, O God, to receive and accept your living word. Silence in us any voices but your own, so that we may hear your word and do it. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our scripture reading today is from the book of John in the New Testament, and it may be found on page 1686 in your pew Bibles. The story of Doubting Thomas. Starting at verse 19. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came in and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands inside. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, and put my finger where the, nail, where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus did many other miracles, signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. I'd like the children to come forward. Uh... Matt, we were serious, too, about the, the, the sermon going on after this, so after the show. <laughs> Come forward, please. Pastor Tom said to me that since you're doing the children's message and so much else today, maybe just do the regular sermon. So that's what he was referring to. How's everybody doing this morning? Good? Daniel, love your shark. It's a nice shark you got there. Nice stuffed animal. So we just heard about doubting Thomas, right? So I have with me a, uh, a nickel. Emily, I'm going to give you the nickel. I want you to, uh, to flip it in the air. Now, before you do, I want to, I want to ask all of you. <laughs> Henry, how are you? And hello, Holland. Um, when she flips it in the air, will it come back down or will it stay in the air? It's, it's going to come back down. Guys, when she flips it up in the air, is it going to come back down or is it going to stay in the air? We have one dissenting vote here, so one dissenting vote that is going to stay in the air. Now, if we were in space, I think it would stay in the air, but yeah. down here on the earth, it's going to come back down. Now, why are you all so confident that this is going to come back down? Because if you flip a coin, it's supposed to come down. 
It's a very good explanation. Of course, the real reason is because, hold on one second, hold on one second, because of gravity, right? So we all know this because we've seen this every single time, right? Every time we flip a coin, it comes back down. So Emily, flip it up. Let's, let's see. We'll see if this continues. And it does. The trend continues. When we flip it up, it comes back down. But Thomas didn't believe, and it was tails. Tails never fails, right? So the moral of the story is that we believe because we've seen this a thousand times, right? But in the Bible, we just heard about Thomas, who even though, even though Jesus died for his sins, didn't believe. He said, show me your hands, show me the nail marks. It's important to remember as Christians that we believe through faith. We do not believe through sight. Let us pray. Dear God, we thank you for this day, the opportunity to be here, and we thank you for the faith. We thank you for the strength to believe without seeing, and we help, and we pray, rather, that you help us to always keep that faith. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Thanks, Matt and children. Now, if you have been kind of following in the bulletin as well as uh, for uh, the, the studies uh, on Sunday morning, you'll notice that this is a little bit different than the narrative lectionary that we've been going through for the John text. And uh, so a couple weeks ago was Easter Sunday, right? We had two worship services here. There was one outside at 6.30 and then one at uh, 10.30. And uh, Linda and I and about 15 others, Pastor Chris and Cheryl, you were there, were outside. It was a beautiful day. And then after the service, uh, Linda had come a little bit later than I did, so we were in separate cars. She stopped at Quick Check for a Sunday paper record and uh, some things to eat and also that important coffee, all right, uh, before the second service. So we went home and uh, had a nice breakfast and uh, I was reading through the sports section and uh, she was looking at the comics as well as the, the major sections of the paper and uh, came across, maybe some of you saw this, in the main section, anybody get the record? Uh, a whole page ad. It says, feeling hollow, discover the true meaning of Easter. And then there's an Easter bunny, a chocolate Easter bunny, which is hollow. I like the solid ones myself. I don't know about you, but uh, hollow. And, uh, but not feeling hollow. You know, have you ever felt hollow within? You know, Easter is that celebration of God's resurrection of Jesus from the dead and how often uh, we might just keep that for one day. But really, Easter, the reality of the hope and joy is today, in the present, looking back at the past, but also the hope and joy that we have in the future. Did anybody see this at all? John, you saw it. Anybody else? You get the record, some, right? Maybe you get the ledger or others. So. But feeling hollow, you know, instead of that, that joy of that reality of Easter. This is my last sermon that I'm going to be uh, preaching as one of your pastors at uh, Abundant Life Reformed Church. And uh, I talked with Pastor Chris and some others, and so wanted to pick out a particular passage that has been a lot to me. And it is really right around the, the actual Easter time. And it's that one of appearing to Thomas as well as to the other disciples. Now this past Tuesday, I was at a retirement uh, dinner for missionaries and pastors, and uh, uh, Dr. Greg Mast, who's the retiring president of New Brunswick Seminary, 
preached on the same text. So uh, he had some great ideas, and uh, I'm not going to steal from him at all in that. So, uh, but it, indeed, it's been a privilege to uh, be here as one of your pastors since uh, January of 2009. And I've had the opportunity to preach on some occasions, to make a number of visits in the hospitals, convalescent facilities, in your homes, uh, Bible studies, other studies, here for confirmations, baptisms, ordination, installation of deacons and elders, new members affirming their faith in the Lord, for weddings, funerals, uh, playing on the softball team, sitting on the bench of the softball team, coaching. And, uh, but it really has been an honor and a privilege for me as well as my family. But a reminder to all of us that God is at work in your lives more than you might even think or imagine as individuals, as a congregation here at Abundant Life Reformed Church. Being a Christian doesn't separate us from doubts, uncertainties, difficult times. But even in those times, we're promised to have a presence by God through his Holy Spirit, that there is hope, there is joy, there is love, there are things that go beyond our thoughts. Several years ago, Dr. M. Scott Pack a psychiatrist who became a Christian, wrote a book, The Road Less Traveled. And uh, in the first line, he said, life is difficult. And I would go along with that. Life is difficult. At times, it's, it's easier. But there is a difficulty that we are dependent upon others and, of course, the Lord. My wife, Linda, read my sermon last night, and she had some good pointers, but it was too late to make some changes. And uh, there's a story that I love, but I'm not going to tell of a new uh, in that. So, uh, but life is not so predictable and nice and neat. But we are dependent upon the Lord, maybe more than we want to admit. Now, remember in that upper room, this was the night right before the, the women came back and told the disciples that uh, the tomb is empty that Jesus is alive. And they were kind of wondering and thinking, no, that's, that's kind of a, not a true story at all. That we'd like to think that. So Thomas, for whatever reason, was not there. And uh, we don't know why. You know, he could have been with his brother, who, again, Didymus, a twin. We, we don't know, but he wasn't with the group. But Jesus appeared to them and said, peace be with you. And that peace that he was saying was not just kind of a hello, here I am, but that notion, that reality that God is present. And they need to experience that profound power and hope and joy of his resurrection. Not only on that morning, but each and every day. But to have that presence, active and living. As I mentioned, Thomas wasn't there. Judas had hung himself, so there were really only 10 of the disciples. There might have been others that were gathered there too. Mary Magdalene was that witness at the tomb of Jesus, as John's gospel relays. And the huge stone was rolled away, and believing the body of the Lord Jesus was taken. She came frantically, and then Simon Peter and uh, relays the account, and the other disciple that uh, Jesus was not in the tomb. What a story. What a story. Questions surely arose among them, the truth about what was happening. But Jesus was alive. Jesus is alive today. We pick up the story this morning with the disciples, as I mentioned, gathered in those, that room, locked doors, afraid that maybe they're going to be next. 
worshiping and following this Jesus. So they're in fear of their own lives and kind of wondering, Jesus was crucified, what does it mean for our lives now? But that Lord became among them, his presence there. Isn't that something that we desire? To have God's presence with us? To have that living, not dead, not that hollow feeling? A favorite and meaningful hymn of many of ours, including mine, is In the Garden. Remember that? I walk in the garden alone, and then he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever, well, you know that, right? In the garden, sung many, many times. Last Sunday, Pastor Chris uh, based his message on Luke 24. Remember uh, the walk to Emmaus, the two disciples on the, the evening of uh, the resurrection are walking and dejected, kind of caught in their own grief situation, and uh, the stranger comes and walks with them and uh, kind of says, well, well, what's going on? What things? And they're thinking, well, you don't know what's happened in Jerusalem, and they go into the whole story of the Old Testament prophecy, and uh, that this Jesus was the one that was going to be promised, but he was crucified, but now... Women are telling us that he is alive. And then uh, they invited him in for a meal, and uh, he broke the bread. He kind of took a lead, and uh, then they realized that it was Jesus among them. Jesus' presence among them. In the Life Application Bible, I was reading this note about Thomas. It said, Thomas so often is remembered as doubting Thomas, deserves to be respected for his faith. He was a doubter, but his doubts had a purpose, he wanted to know the truth. Although our glimpses of Thomas are brief, his character comes through with consistency. He struggled to be faithful to what he knew, despite what he felt at one point, when danger was very possible. Recall the Lazarus illness and death. Thomas put these words, or something like that, let us go also that we may die with Jesus. Let us go also that we may die with Jesus the Lord's presence among them, with them. How often have I tried to remind people that God is present, that your prayers and cards and visits are there, and it means so much to people, to be reminded of that, God's spirit at work in and through people, just like you and me. But to have that peace, to have that power, you know, uh, Jesus kind of breathed on them the Holy Spirit. This is kind of a pre-Pentecostal uh, time, but uh, that power and presence and peace. Jesus gave those words at the upper room before his trial and uh, death, and he said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, and neither let them be afraid. One of the fruits of the Spirit Remember the others, love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And that word peace going way beyond just hello or a greeting, but a blessing. And then Jesus repeated that again, peace be with you. And he didn't stop there. He said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Wow, the Holy Spirit's presence. Forgiveness of sins, our own sins forgiving others. 
again, we don't have the power to forgive necessarily. It's really Christ, but God has given us that message of forgiveness of sins to all. Powerful in peace. Last week, I was reminded again of a visit I made, and I've shared this on a number of occasions. And uh, it's one of the visits that is, will stand out in my life forever. And it was to a, a person that wasn't a member of the church that I was serving. I was asked as one of the pastors to go visit. Uh, his name was George, dying of cancer, going through uh, radiation, chemotherapy treatments. George was in his 70s, not a member of a church, but it asked a friend of his, would one of your pastors come and visit? And so I was asked to go and felt honored to go. And uh, George uh, talked to me about something traumatic that happened in his life that really alienated him from God and separated him from, you know, really having a relationship with the Lord. But he was really trying to get peace with God. I didn't really realize that, maybe on one level I should have, but I didn't. And, and so uh, he wanted communion the next visit, so I had one of the elders from the church come along with a friend, and we had communion right in the hospital room. And it was only in the hospital room that I had an opportunity to, to visit with George. Each time, though, physically, his health was declining. And uh, we put him on the printed prayer list. I know there were other people praying for him. He was able to get visits of different people, and uh, that made a lot of difference. He was divorced. He had a son that he loved greatly and a grandson. And uh, I'll never forget the last visit I had with him. Uh, he was falling, and it looked like his life on earth was really limited and uh, really liked him. And, uh, you know, uh, I said, George, we're praying for you at the church, and, uh, but I, I wish there was something more that we could do. You know, it really felt kind of helpless, and I don't like that helpless feeling. Uh, do you like that when you don't know what to say? And I said, you know, I wish there was something more we could do. And he looked right at me and said, Tom, you and the others help me get peace with God. And that's made a difference. And those were the last words that I remember in that conversation. Never saw him again. I heard that he passed away, officiated at a service, talked with his sister and son and grandson. And uh, that's been many years ago. But that idea of peace, that not only as a pastor, but, but you, friends, that we bring that connection, that peace with others, that peace that God only can provide. This past week, uh, Debbie Tao, uh, Bill Galloway, myself, I know Pastor Chris, if you weren't on vacation, you'd be, be there. But the Reed Academy, have you heard of the Reed Academy at all in Oakland, right by Cablevision? Uh, it, it's a large educational facility uh, for uh, children and teens that have autism. And, and one of the volunteers that we have that comes just about every Wednesday, David, volunteers here and comes with one of the aides. And so we were invited for a breakfast, which was really nice. And uh, they had speakers, they had some governmental officials there, and they were trying to raise money for, uh, really they were saying there's a problem once uh, teens and all, they get past 21 years old, that there's not the services to provide. So they're trying to raise funds and uh, they had really a great presentation. They had some testimonies. Uh, we could see David walking around. They had a glass uh, auditorium and he was walking a dog with the aide. And, uh, I don't know if he saw us, but we were waving there for him. And, uh, you know, a great organization. And they're doing good and helpful things. But, but also, as a church, we have a good message. We have a great message of, 
of trying to have people connect with their spirit and soul with the living God and with one another. And not to forget that. And uh, they're doing great work, but here at the church in different ways that we can as well. But beyond that, to the spiritual and bringing God into the conversations and relationships that we have. But that power and peace of forgiveness, you know, too often I want to hold on. If someone has done me wrong, I want to hold on. Right, Linda? Right, right. She's shaking her head. She knows that. You know, we, we pray that prayer of forgiveness, right? The Lord's Prayer. Debts, debtors, hundreds of times, thousands of times. It just kind of seems to, you know, go as words. But forgiveness, that power of forgiveness, and of holding on to not forgiving others or forgiving God or forgiving ourselves, that that can restrict us and hold us back. And uh, Jesus is knowing that. Because I think about those disciples. They all abandoned Jesus. They left him. And wasn't it Peter said, I'll never leave you? Well, he was gone. He denied Jesus. And then we have Thomas. I'm sure others were doubting too. It wasn't just Thomas doubting. But uh, Jesus came to them. Not through the power that they really thought, even though there was great power in the resurrection, but by sacrificial love. By power and sacrificial love, which seem maybe to be in conflict, but they aren't but to be a servant of the Lord and to one another. That God has given us a purpose in meeting. In 1 Peter, uh, the writer speaks of hope and a living hope. It says, as our living hope, it is possible for Christ to be ever fresh and ever new to us. To live this, we must resist presuming to know too much about Jesus. We must resist overscripting him, deciding exactly how he is leading in our lives and about how he is working or not working in the lives of others. One never arrives with God. No one fully comprehends Christ, not yet at least. Presuming to know too much about Jesus keeps us from growing in him and learning new things about him. And that's from a message by Kirk Jones from uh, the minister's annual manual some years ago. But growing, changing, being transformed and transforming lives. Uh, even in the hurt and disappointments that we might experience. Easter, for some of us, uh, hearing that message again is refreshing, but, but to hear it that it's true each and every day, it's not just a one-time event. Do you know the difference between a compass and a gyroscope? Anybody? Yes, no, maybe so. Well, I did neither in that too, but one of the books I was reading over in my sabbatical was by a Brian Draper, and he says, less is more, spirituality for busy lives, and he, he talked about the difference uh, in, in life, and he says, a compass points to you an approximation of north, magnetic north, but on a ship, there is so much metal that compass readings can be easily distorted. It is vulnerable to interference. And if it's out of only a matter of degrees, it will lead you on the wrong course altogether. A gyroscope, on the other hand, is an instrument that refers you to true north and is not subject to magnetic fields. It can scramble a compass. It will point you in the right direction, no matter what the circumstances, no matter how choppy the seas are, no matter what interference surrounds you. The Lord finding a focus and centeredness with him Again, I'm not a good Boy Scout like uh, Pete and your son Peter in that too. So, uh, but, you know, a difference between a compass and a gyroscope in life.
you know, what about that? But privilege, people, and gratitude. That psalm that we started off with is one of my favorite ones. It's one of thanksgiving, it's one of uh, praise and gratitude to God. Uh, do you remember those words? Worship the Lord with gladness, come before him with joyful songs, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise, give thanks to him and praise his name. You know, too often uh, I think we might forget that thankfulness. You know, things might be hard, things might be unclear, you know, and, and how can we have that thankful attitude in our lives? An author, which uh, many of you are familiar with, Dr. Henry Nouwen, Roman Catholic priest, fellow human struggler too, uh, uh, but a person of deep faith in the Lord. And uh, I get his daily devotions by the society. Uh, Dr. Nouwen passed away a number of years ago, and he talks about life with its contradictions, and, and where you can't have that sense of peace and everything is all nice and neat, but that God is present. He said some years ago, the many contradictions in our lives, such as being home while feeling homeless, being busy while feeling bored, being popular while feeling lonely, being believers while feeling many doubts, can frustrate, irritate, and even discourage us. They make us feel that we are never fully present. Every door that opens for us makes us see how many more doors are closed. But there's another response. These same contradictions can bring us into touch with a deeper longing for the fulfillment of a desire that lives beneath all desires, and that only God can satisfy. Contradictions thus understood can create friction that help us move towards God, that help us move towards God. Dr. Mast, I will say in his sermon, did mention something that I didn't think about. You know, there was a community of believers that were there in the upper room. They were, you know, talking about what had happened, where they're going to go, and uh, the fear of uh, the Sanhedrin and other Jewish leaders, the Romans. Uh, and Thomas wasn't there. And, and Dr. Mass was talking about uh, being in community. And that when Thomas came back the next week, even though he said, well, I won't uh, believe unless I see the nail prints and uh, the, the problem of the sigh that he had, uh, you know, and uh, they still accepted him and the community that is accepting. And that's the church. Not that everything is hunky-dory, not that everything is without conflict, but there's an acceptance, a reality, that every life is precious. And then that community that Thomas was engrafted back in there, even with his doubts. We are the Lord's people and the sheep of his pasture. We are to care and love for others within our fellowship and outside. And does that always mean that we agree? Of course not. However, there's a love, there's an acceptance, a wanting the best in the other person to be thankful, grateful people. Over these past months, I've done probably more reflecting of uh, life uh, than I have for many years, for most of my life. And uh, the sabbatical, uh, which I am grateful for this opportunity of gone, and I really appreciate that from you people. And, uh, was such a growing experience for me that I'll never forget and always be grateful for. And I met with a spiritual director three or four times over at Sarum College, which was only 500 yards from the cathedral, Salisbury Cathedral. And uh, Julia Morritt, who's an Anglican priest, said, Tom, why don't you think about 
And I've been journalizing too. I don't know how many of you journalize, but sometimes that can be a helpful discipline too. Just writing down your thoughts, feelings, prayers, whatever that might be. She said, come up with six words that describe your life and mission. So, okay, I went back to my room. I didn't have any TV, and, uh, which was good. And uh, so, you know, and I could hear the cathedral bells go off every 15 minutes. It was really inspiring and, and just being there. And, uh, but I came up with these words, and it's been kind of a, a mantra for me. And uh, uh, they're not profound. I've written them before. But it was, by God's grace, I can live. By God's grace, I can live. Now, now, John talks about life, believing, really live. It doesn't mean that everything works out the way that I would like or that you like, but it's okay that God is present. And this message of, from uh, the Gospel of John reminds us of that too. John ends this 20th chapter that is designated, uh, uh, and, and John Venermullen read that too. It said, Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. To really have life, to have that abundant life, but also that promise of eternal life. Uh, so not only today, not only reflecting on the past, but also looking into the future. But by God's grace, I can live, you can live. So here we are this morning. Only a few Sundays passed from the celebration again of the resurrection of Jesus on Easter Sunday. But may that event, that reality, be something that you experience alive in myself each day in the joys, in the difficulties, in the beautiful springtime, even though we all, many of us have allergy problems, you know, the beauty of God's creation, but the beauty of God's creation that's within, that power that he infuses into us, that Holy Spirit. That's the joy. That's the hope that you can have, I can have, and hopefully multitudes of others can experience. Christ living in us and through us to God's glory. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, your spirit is able to touch us and others at the deepest levels. Sometimes we're aware of that, other times we're not. But thank you, God, for the calling that you place upon each of our lives, for the reality of Easter Sunday, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, for new life that happens, can happen in our lives no matter what we face each and every day living in that present moment, reflecting on the past, but having that hope and joy and love of the future in this life and the next. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, amen. If you're able, please stand for our affirmation of faith of the words of the Apostles' Creed. Saying together, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and sits on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. 
From then she'll come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Universal Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.